to go ahead and jump into our time in the Word of God. And today's scripture reading comes from the book of Galatians. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Galatas. And uh, we are actually going to be starting a new series on the book of Galatians beginning today and into the rest of the, the spring, into late May. And today's passage will be from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. La escritura de hoy es del libro de Galatas, versículos 1 al 10. And if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles right in the back. And if you don't have one that's your own, that's our gift to you. You can go ahead and take it home. And um, also, you can uh, go ahead and follow along in the projector screen. We will have the passage, Galatians uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. So let's go ahead and make sure that we have the, the scriptures up on the projector screen. And I will read along for us uh, from the scriptures from uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Let's go ahead and hear now with open ears and open hearts from the word of God. Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil and from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am not astonished that I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel, a truth that, that, is, that, that is other than you, what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you because your word is true. Your word is relevant, God. And right now we're, going, we're entering into this new season, this new time of teaching, Lord, on what true freedom is, Lord. And God, as we see here in your scripture, true freedom requires a love for your truth, God. Teach us to be lovers of truth, God. Help us, Lord, to not delight in evil, but to rejoice in the truth, in your truth. Help us, God, to take your words seriously, that only the truth will set us free, God. 
We love you, Lord. Speak to us this morning. We pray this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. So as I mentioned, we're entering into this new series on the book of Galatians through the end of May. And this teaching series is called True Freedom. True freedom that God offers us. Not just temporary freedom, not just temporary hope, but a true freedom through the gospel, through God's good news, through God's truth. And just a little bit about the book of Galatians, because we're going to go chapter by chapter up until the end of May. But Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul to a number of churches in the regions of Galatia, where Paul traveled during his missionary journeys. And you can find this information about Paul's journeys to this part of the world, to, uh, the, to Galatia in the book of Acts. Galatians is actually a letter that was written from a place of deep passion and raw emotion. It was written from the, the, the hand of, of, of Paul from a place of, of passion and emotion. So when you read Galatians, when you read a passage like this, realize that there is a backstory. There is context that brings Paul to use such passionate and direct language. Again, there is a backstory. Sometimes we realize that it's important to know the backstory, to know the context in order to understand a story as it is. You know, I think about when I was uh, younger, when I, when I learned this to be the case. Um, my, my parents had actually um, done this huge favor for me when I was a teenager. I think it was on my 15th or 16th birthday. They, they gave me some birthday money. And uh, the first thing I did is I bought some tickets to rock concerts, to these, these two rock concerts that I really wanted to go to. And uh, some of you know, others don't, but when I was a, a teenager, when I was in high school, I was really into punk rock and heavy metal. Uh, Charlotte, the other day we went to visit my home. She was laughing at my pictures of me as a teenager, just looking crazy. But... Um, uh, yeah, the, the first thing that I did was I just bought these two tickets to rock concerts. And, um, you know, I didn't have a car at the time, so I just bought the tickets and I asked my parents to take me. Now, how cool is that, right? Like, you show up to the rock concert in your parents' car. They, they, they drop you off. And me and my friends, it wasn't just me. They took all of my friends to this rock concert. And this was down in Southern California where I grew up. And it was in uh, Costa Mesa, which is in Riverside County. But we lived in Orange County, so it was about... 45 minutes away, so my parents didn't want to drive all the way back home and then pick us up later, so they just decided to go to a movie instead. And my parents, they, they don't really go to the movies much, they, then English is their second language, so they, the, they go maybe once every few years, and um, when they go to the movies, they never read the reviews or they never really know what the movie is about. My, my parents' style of going to the movies is they just show up and they look at all the posters and they pick the movie with the coolest poster and coolest title. And there they go, they have a, a movie night. 
and um, this will probably date me a little bit, but uh, during those days when I was a teenager, the big movie at the time was The Lord of the Rings. And the, the, the poster that they saw was for The Lord of the Rings, The Twin Towers, which you and I know, if you've watched The Lord of the Rings or read of The Lord of the Rings, that The Twin Towers is actually The Lord of the Rings Part 2, right? Good, we have some Lord of the Rings nerds here. Um, but it's, it's uh, it, it just like me. But uh, Twin Towers is Lord of the Rings Part 2. But my parents had no idea because it didn't say Lord of the Rings Part 2 in the poster. So they just went in and they watched it and they didn't understand any of the backstory from Part 1, which, uh, you know, ex is expected in order to understand Part 2, to understand the Twin Towers. They had never watched the Fellowship of the Ring. So my parents didn't know what was going on. So what did they do? They just sat there for three and a half hours. And they <laughs> tried to make sense of the whole thing. You know, I would have loved to have just heard their conversation during that movie. It's like my mom asking, wait, so why are those guys so short? Well, I think they're called hobbits. Well, what part of the world are they in? I th it's called Middle Earth, Mom. Okay, now why, why were they all going after some ring? Well, I don't know. The ring has some kind of power, okay? You had to watch the first one. You needed to understand the bigger story to understand the context. And my parents learned that that evening, that sometimes in order to understand the big picture, we, we need to understand the backstory and the context and Galatians and the passage that we just read today, it has a backstory. Again, it's written with deep passion and raw emotion. And here's the backstory to Galatians. When the movement of Jesus followers started, Christianity actually began as a Jewish messianic movement in Jerusalem. But then the message of the gospel was so much bigger than just one culture or just one people. The gospel was and is the good news of Jesus for all of humanity and all of creation. It's a message that would restore all things and bring unity to all things under Christ, as it says in the book of, of, of Ephesians as well. The gospel quickly spread beyond just one culture group, and it spread beyond the early Jewish Christians. By the time that Paul is writing Galatians, there are just as many Gentiles, which are non-Jewish Christians, there are just as many Gentiles following Jesus as there are Jewish Christians. And this broke out in a huge debate, which we read in Acts 15, and believe it or not, there were debates back then. There were discussions. There were disagreements amongst people even back then, even amongst followers of Jesus. Galatians reminds us of a couple of things. That's the context. Galatians reminds us that community can be messy because people are messy. Galatians reminds us that unity is not uniformity. Oneness is not the same as sameness. Someone once asked me, 
why is that the case? Someone actually came here to my office a couple of weeks ago and just wanted to talk to me and said, why is it the case? Why is there so many ideas out there? Why can't we as people, as a society, as churches, whatever it may be, why can't we just agree on something? And, um, and wh why are there just so many different opinions out there? And, you know, my, my response to that is, uh, again, I won't speak for everything in the world, but I'll speak for here for the context of, of the church and the people of God. And um, why is it the case that there are so many different points of views on particular matters? Well, the answer in, in my perspective is this. The, let's look back to the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of God. And G, the good news is this, Jesus enters into our mess. He enters into our mess to restore something precious that has been broken. So all faith communities and all people groups, whenever they come together, it's essentially this. Whenever a group or a movement or an organization comes together, it's essentially going to be broken people with limitations imperfect people, and in the case of the church, imperfect people saved by grace. Imperfect people worshiping a perfect God as God renews and transforms us into a new humanity, a new creation that reflects Jesus Christ. So the debate that was happening in Galatians 1, it all had to do with this with Jewish Christians still holding on to particular rules and particular religious practices of the ancient Jewish community. We see this in the ancient Israelites outlined in the Torah, or what we call the Old Testament or the First Testament. Religious practices about what to eat, what not to eat, which days to observe, a whole list of things that, of laws that would explain what is considered holy versus unholy, clean or unclean. This was the tension here in Galatians 1. Jewish Christians were telling Gentiles, non-Jewish Christians, that they too needed to follow these strict religious laws that applied to them. So here's the point of tension. One group was trying to tell the other group what to do or how to be. Culturally Jewish Christians were trying to impose their law, their way, their religiosity on non-Jewish Christians, on Gentiles. And these two groups were divided. One group was trying to force their way, their perspective, their practice, their cultural um, customs on the other group. So glad that doesn't happen today anymore. Right? One group isn't trying to impose their way on another group and convince the other one, right? Humans are humans. The Jewish Christians in this passage cultural Jewish, we're trying to say, you know what, forget, Paul, forget the gospel. You need to follow our rules. You need to follow our religious customs. Galatians asks and clarifies this question on what is the gospel, right? That's what Paul was saying in this passage, except no other gospel. Many of you know that the foundation of this church community 
of this call to plant and be Imago Church, the foundation of who we are as a community is the gospel, is the good news of God. So we need to ask ourselves that question and get clarity on that. What is the gospel? At Imago Church, we are first and foremost a gospel-centered community. So to put it simply, if someone asked you that question, right, what is the gospel? The gospel means that God has done something that has changed everything. God has restored something precious that has been broken. God himself has come to rescue and renew creation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Bible and the book of Galatians tells the story of the gospel and the church. The church is you and me, God's family. Again, people that are broken and blessed, imperfect people worshiping a perfect God. People that have been rescued and renewed by the gospel. So again, to put it simply, what is the gospel? The gospel is the living and eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ period. A false gospel, which it talks about here in verse 6 and 7. What is a false gospel? In verses 1, 6 to 7, it says there, except no other gospel. So again, what would that be? What would a false gospel be? A false gospel is removing the period at the end of that statement. Remember I mentioned that the, the gospel, the, the true gospel, is that Jesus Christ is our living hope. The, the gospel is the living and eternal hope we have in Jesus Christ, period. A false gospel is removing that period at the end of that sentence. A false gospel says that the gospel is actually Jesus plus one. Jesus plus my religious rules, Jesus plus my rule keeping, or Jesus plus my rebellion or my rule breaking. Anything that says Jesus plus one is a false gospel. Jesus plus one turns the gospel into none. To put it very simply for us. Jesus plus one will be a false hope based on religious legalism or rebellious rule-breaking. They are both two sides of the exact same coin. More on that soon in just a couple of minutes. The two sides of that same coin of rebellion and rule-keeping. As the church, we're God's gathered community. We are people that have been rescued and renewed by the gospel. Dios nos ha salvado por medio del evangelio. We are not called to act like self-righteous religious folks looking down on others, pretending, acting, or projecting some kind of fake perfection. That's not who we're called to be. Religiosity will always try to get to God. In fact, that's the image that we see in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel, where, remember, the people come together and they say, let's make a name for ourselves, let's build a tower, and let's get to God. Then what does God do? He dismantles that plan, right? And he scatters the people and says, no, you cannot get to me. I must come to you. The gospel says, 
No perfect people allowed. As God's people, we are broken and blessed. We are flawed people with scars. I've had an opportunity to meet with many of you, with most of you. I know that you come from a place of scars, just like me. Just like Jesus, remember? Broken and blessed, flawed people with scars. But even with our scars, hallelujah, by the grace of God, he makes a way. By the grace of God, we are rescued and renewed. We are not playing the Genesis 11 Tower of Babel game where we're trying to act like we can get to God. No. Instead, we can't get to God with our own behavior management or sin management. Those are all just attempts to try to control or manipulate religious outcomes or whatever it is. Here at Imago Church, as God's people, we keep it real. and We keep it raw. That's why every single Sunday we confess, we tell the truth, and we repent regularly. We embrace that we cannot reach God on our own. So God has to come to us. We can't reach him on our own. God had to come to us in Jesus Christ. At Imago Church, we proudly proclaim, and this is a part of who we are, it's even part of our faith tradition, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, all for the glory of God alone. You know, there's that picture of Babel in Genesis 11 where people try to get to God, it doesn't work. But then in Acts 2, we see the reversal of that, where in this event called Pentecost, which is the birth of the church in Acts 2, we see that God comes to us. The birth of the church came when the Spirit of the Lord descended, came down upon the church, upon followers of Jesus. And in fact, when we think about that, that that's actually where the story begins, where our journey with God begins, where the gospel begins, when God comes to us, that reminds us that, that that is good news. We can't get to God on our own. He has to come to us, and that good news will set us free. It's a reminder that God comes to us. He, say, he reminds us, I have come to down to you. You couldn't get up to me. And in fact, that's the difference between the gospel and any other worldview. God has come to us. The grace of the Holy Spirit is this, is that God actually longs to continue to come to you. God longs to fill you with his own spirit. And the most marvelous and amazing part of that is that all we have to do to receive God's spirit is we have to ask. Simply begin by asking. You can ask today. We can ask as a community. Ask, Lord... We ask that your Holy Spirit would come down and rain down on us. Espíritu Santo, desciende sobre nosotros. Imago Church, whether here or online today, we are on a journey together 
in 2021. We're envisioning next steps. We are rebuilding together in 2021 and beyond. And as we're rebuilding together in 2021, we are seeking God towards spiritual maturity and church health. My prayer is this. In our decision-making, may we ask and invoke the Holy Spirit to rain down and cover us with counsel and wisdom, a wisdom that is not merely our own, because we can't do it on our own. It's so much bigger than us. This life is so much bigger than just one person. Galatians 1, 6-7, it talks about this, the importance of loving God's truth, of seeking God's truth, of seeking the gospel. It says this, I am astonished, Galatians 1, 6-7, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Let's be clear about this. Toxic religiosity or, you know, manipulative character or, or all that stuff, all that comes down to the desire to be without weakness, the desire to be without vulnerability, the desire to keep up in appearance of having it all together through either religious rule-keeping, sin and behavior, micromanagement. And in fact, I want you to hear this, friends, brothers, sisters. The two greatest obstacles to experiencing true freedom that the gospel offers are the following. It is one, religious rule-keeping that leads to false self-righteousness. That's one obstacle. And the second obstacle is rebellious rule-breaking that says, well, I just do whatever I want when I want, and I do it my way. Legalistic rule-keeping and rebellious rule-breaking are actually two sides of the exact same coin. They both provide a temporary hope through a false sense of freedom. You know, I, I learned this to be the case a, a couple of years ago in, in two conversations that I had with two different people. And one, I would say, was a rule keeper. The other one was a rule breaker. But we had about the same type of conversation. And it became extremely evident to me that legalism and rebellion are really just two sides of the same coin, trying to save ourselves. In a conversation I remember with someone, we'll call him Eric, he, Eric really wanted to be in ministry, and he really wanted to lead in different ways. And Eric was telling me how particular ministries needed to be regimented or micromanaged in a particular way. And Eric used all kinds of religious language trying to convince me why this was true. And after listening to him for about 15 minutes, I simply said, Eric, thanks for sharing. I have to be honest with you. 
it seems to me like you have some unresolved issues and you're using religious language to hide from that. His eyes got wide and he stayed really quiet for about a minute. Then the truth started to come out. He began to share, well, the truth is that I was hurt once in a situation where I felt like I had no control. So for me, rule keeping gives me a false sense of control. It gives me a false sense of freedom. Finding freedom in rule keeping or rule breaking is not true freedom. They are two sides of the exact same coin, us trying to get right with God on our own. The second story, I mentioned Eric, the rule keeper. The second story is Barbara, right? Barbara, we'll call her Barbara, a rule breaker. She was the type of person who grew up in church, then came to a point where she had to give it all up and she did what, you know, it's called, she threw out the baby with the bathwater and she decided that life was now simply going to be about doing what I want, when I want, and doing it my way. It's that old philosophy, right? If it feels good, just do it. It's that kind of mentality that Barbara had. Then she went on to say that she no longer believed in God, and at the same time, she was angry at God. You know, part of the conversation with me and her in that time was, well, help me understand, how is it that you are angry at a God that you don't believe in? Why would I be mad at someone, or why would I be mad at something that is not real? Then she wanted to explain to me how that worked. And then after listening to her for a while, I simply said to Barbara the exact same thing that I said to Eric because it applied as well. Barbara, thanks for sharing. I have to be honest with you. It seems to me like you have some unresolved issues and you're using the rebellion and the rule breaking to hide or to run away from what God may be trying to communicate to you in your life. Similar to Eric, her eyes got wide and she stayed really quiet for a minute. Then that's where some of the realness starts to come, some of the rawness. She went on to share, well, I was hurt once in a situation where I grew up in a super religious context and I felt like I was being manipulated. Again, the rule breaking served as a temporary freedom. Friends, brothers, sisters, all of us tend to be one or the other. Whether you tend to be a religious, legalistic rule keeper or rebellious rule breaker, here's the truth. Neither one of those will save you. Neither one of those will carry the weight of your soul or provide eternal hope. It is only the true gospel that will give you the true freedom that you're looking for. Jesus is right. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how about today? How about you stop hiding behind the religiosity? How about you stop hiding behind the rebellion? 
and come to God as you are, fully human, broken, and blessed. Tell God what's really going on. (laughs) Tell God what's really going on. And now together, let's invite Jesus to be Lord over the messy, unresolved spaces in your heart, in your life. I have them as well. Let's invite Jesus into the mess and let's stop hiding. Stop running away. Invite him into that space and experience true freedom. That's what the gospel does. That's why Paul is so frustrated here. He says, it is only the true gospel that can help us uncover the truth. Only the true gospel will help us discover and take action toward true freedom toward true freedom in Christ. Freedom from religiosity and freedom for new reality. A new pair of glasses where you see everything in a new perspective through a gospel lens, through a truth lens. So again, remember, true freedom is not just freedom from, it's also freedom for It's freedom from rebellious rule-breaking and freedom for purpose and clarity and direction and wisdom. I read a quote yesterday by Thomas Watson who said this. It's pretty simple but profound. He says, Thomas Watson says, unless we deny our own will, we will never do God's will. Unless we deny our own will, we will never do God's will. And each one of us, we tend to be one or the other. We tend to be a rule keeper or a rule breaker. The gospel says neither one of those will work. That's just your will. Let's enter into God's will. Unless we deny and stop trusting in our temporary hopes, we will never experience the true life and freedom that God created you for, that God created us for. A true freedom that is not just freedom from, but freedom for. Not just freedom from bad, ugly things, but freedom for you to be who you were created to be. And friends, brothers, sisters, that's the difference. That's the difference that Paul is talking about here in Galatians. The difference between false religious or rebellious temporary freedom and the true freedom that the gospel offers. I'll compare it with this. To understand true freedom in the gospel versus temporary freedom that that, uh, you know, religiosity or rebellion can give us, I have to understand it in terms of a relationship. We're all in relationships here, and at Imago Church, we say that, right? We come to understand the hope of Christ through restored relationships. But I think about it in terms of a relationship of a child with a parent figure. It can be a mother or a father, but I'll use father since that is one of the names of God as well, right? God the Father. A false gospel says this. It's like when you were a teenager or you were a kid, when you get in trouble. A false gospel says this. I messed up. My father's going to hate me. Let me get right with God, my father, through my own rule keeping. Or let me forget about God with my own rule breaking. 
That's a false gospel. But the true gospel that leads to true freedom, the good news of God says this. Again, think about it in terms of uh, uh, a child's relationship with a parent. The true gospel says this. I messed up. I need to call on my father, God. I cannot do it alone, so he must make a way. That's the true gospel. Temporary freedom through rule keeping or rule breaking, that's a false gospel. It's not going to stand. It all boils down to the following statement. Again, thinking about that in terms of a child messing up or when we mess up, right? False gospel says, I messed up. Let me get right with God through my own rule keeping or let me forget about God with my own rule breaking. Both of those just give a temporary hope and a false, a false sense of freedom. But true freedom in the gospel boils down to saying, to telling the truth, to saying, God, I messed up. I need you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. I need to be restored and renewed. God, I cannot do it, so you must do it. Today, friends, brothers, sisters, may we let go of false gospels. May we let go of temporary hope. False gospels will always provide a false freedom. And instead, may we surrender to true freedom. True freedom through the true gospel, which reminds us that we cannot save ourselves. Rule keeping or rule breaking, that will not cut it. Only God can save us. Only God can restore us. Only God can renew us. We cannot. God our Father must. And God our Father will. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We give you praise. Not our will, but your will be done, God. Lord, I pray for some of us that may be drawing near to you. Lord, I just pray that this would be the day, the season, the time where another seed is sowed or planted, God. And Lord, may we trust that you are patient, you are loving, you are kind. So today, whether you're taking those first steps with God or next steps with God, I want to invite you to just let go and let God. Let go of whatever temporary hope that you've been holding on to, whether it's the legalistic rule-keeping or the rebellious rule-breaking. 
time to let go of those temporary solutions and instead draw near. Draw near to God who offers true freedom, everlasting joy. We are both broken and blessed. God had to come and save us in order to renew us and to restore us. So I pray today that we would be able to to just draw near to God, knowing that he will draw near to us. We thank you, Lord. And if that's you today, you can simply pray to God and say, Lord, help me understand. I believe, help my unbelief. I trust, help me when I doubt. Draw near to him. It's okay to not have all the answers. He'll meet you right where you're at and he'll take you where you need to be. So Lord, we just surrender all these things to you. We trust in you, hope in you.